This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. And if you're a veteran of war or you're in the military right now, we just want to honor you. Why don't you stand up? Go ahead, stand up. Bless you guys. Thank you. You know, our nation is founded on freedoms because men and women have fought and fought. And so, let's just pray right now. Father God, we, we truly ask you today to bless our nation. And Father God, we thank you for all the men and women that have served have died for the cause of freedom. And Lord, we lift the ones up that are serving right now all around the globe that you protect them and bless them. Father God, touch their spouses and their children. But Lord, let there be revival in America. Let your heart beat in our land again and heal our nation. And we thank you for all these men and women right here in this auditorium. Bless their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad to see you out here on Memorial Day weekend. I want to remind you that it's just not a day off, okay? And let's, let's pray over our nation today and tomorrow and bless those ones that are serving and have served. All right, if you need a Bible today, raise your hand up real high. We're going to get in the Word today. We welcome you to Faith Church. I'm glad to see you out. Doesn't our auditorium look nice? And thank you all for served and painted and moved chairs and cleaned and pulled carpet and broke concrete and all of the above. And there's a lot that's gone on, so we appreciate all of it. All right, if you got your Bible, go with me to the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Now, we're on our road trip here. I'll get where we're going here in a little bit. But you know, in life, life isn't always fair, but I can tell you this, that God is just. And we can always trust on His character, even in difficult times. In, in Psalm fifty fifteen, the Lord said, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. What an invitation. And so today, as, as we get going on the road trip, you'll begin to find out where we're headed. It's a place of trouble. But I believe it's going to touch your heart and minister to you. And so as you go to James 4, before I read that, I'm going to to make a statement here. And then through the scripture here, I'm going to clarify this statement. Uh, Not all Christians live the same distance from God. Say that again. Not all Christians live the same distance from God. Let me clarify that here. James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, that invitation right there is to every one of us. We all have the invitation to draw near to God. But not everybody will draw near to God, even though we all have the same invitation. And so that's what I'm talking about. Not all Christians live the same distance to God. And there's ones that will draw near to God, and there's ones that will press into God. Now, if we were to study that in verses 5 through about verse 10... Some of the ways that we draw near to God is we humble ourselves to Him. We yield to Him. We live committed to Him. We try to live as pure and holy as we can. 
But also, one of the greatest ways that we can draw near to God is to repent. And not only to repent, but let it be sincere and sorrowful. And so this is what this is talking about when, he, when he's talking here in James 4, 8, draw near to God. Now, how many of you have ever said this or you thought this? Why do bad things happen to good people? And we've all, all probably thought that before or we've even said that. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, just keep that thought in your mind and we're going to try to answer that this morning. Go with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. You know, the storyline of the Bible is not, and once upon a time, and they lived happily ever after. Rather, the storyline of the Bible is, and once upon a time, and all hell broke loose. And you find that out over and over again. And Jesus himself warns us that in the New Testament, that he said, in this world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. You will have some, some obstacles in life. So just maybe today... You're going through some tough times. Maybe you're going through disappointment. Let me tell you this right now. That disappointment, guys, doesn't have to be the end of the story. Okay? We serve a big God. Now, here we are, 1 Samuel, chapter 30. Let's begin in verse 1. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. So, you get a real... real uh, thought here about where we're going today. Our roadmap today is in a place called Ziklag. Now, if you've been here the last four weeks, we've been from Joppa to Lodibar to Gilgal. Today, we're in Ziklag. Ziklag was approximately 40 miles southwest of Jerusalem. And it says here that King David was in, in Ziklag. Now, for King David, guys, he's, he's been in Ziklag for almost 16 months that was a long time for him at this time in his life. He's approximately 29 years old. And so Ziklag is a place that's in between prophecy and destiny. So what do I mean by that? Well, in between the things that were spoken over him, the things that were desired until the fulfillment of those things. Now, in a Ziklag experience, when you're in the place of in between, and every one of us get in that place at some time or another in life, it's the place where we learn to be prepared for life, but also we build character. And not only do, do we build character, guys, I believe it sets the tone for our life. And so this is where he's at. Now, let me, let, me, let me add this just to help you get where he's at. At the age of 17, David was anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. But that didn't happen until almost 29 or 30s when that happened. So he's getting very close to walking as the king of Israel. And I say that for every one of us in here. Just because there's things been prophesied over you doesn't mean that's going to happen instantly, okay? There's a lot for that to take place. And so this is where David's at. So keep reading with me here. So they came to Ziklag on the third day that the Malachites had invaded the south in Ziklag and they attacked Ziklag and they burned it with fire. Now, most believe this was in retaliation against David because what he had done to them. But in this passage here, the Amalekites waited for an opportune time to do that. And I want you to think about that. It's, it's the same for me and you. In 1 Peter 5, 8, 
It says your adversary, your opponent, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is always looking for an opportune time, okay? And this is exactly what happened to King David here. Keep reading, verse 2. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, and they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away, and they went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Okay? I want you to get this picture here. They've been gone three days, David and his men. They're on their way home, and man, they can't wait to get back home to the, their confines of their house, their wives, a home-cooked meal. And as they approach the city of Ziklag, one of them says, man, it smells like smoke. Do you smell that? And all of a sudden, they come over the hill, and not only do they smell the smoke, they see the smoke. And they realize that their city is not only on fire, everything in it has been burned to the ground. So in their eyes and their heart, just just put yourself in that position for a little bit. They were probably gripped with fear, panic, and anxiety. Just like every one of us would be in a situation like this. Because everything they had, from their wives to their children, to their homes, to their possessions, to their livestock, is gone. Wiped out. The only thing they have is what they have on them and probably in their pockets and maybe some horses or some camels. That's it. And so just think in line with that. What a day David and these men experienced. Now I believe I'm safe to say this today. That every one of us in this room have had bad days in our life. But none of us have ever had a day like this. You're talking about a bad hair day. I mean, when you lose everything you have. And so this is what's taking place. So when I look at this, Ziklag could be defined as even a hard place in life. And many people, when we get in hard places in life, will say, why do bad things happen to good people? Or even more so, why would God do this or why would God allow this? Let me clarify that for you real quick. In John 10.10 it says, the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. God didn't do this, guys. This was what the devil did. And he looks for opportune times in every one of our lives to steal, kill, and destroy. So not only is the place of Ziklag a place of trouble, the place of Ziklag is a place where you learn to be an overcomer and you learn to live as more than a conqueror. And the only time in life where we're able to do that is in difficult times. When you come into a difficult time, you know what you find out? What's really in your heart. Who you're really going to trust. So Ziklag could be defined as a place of taking tragedy to triumph. Let's keep reading here and let's learn a little bit more. We're going to take each verse one by one here. Verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices. They wept until they had no more power to weep. Now think about this. Here's David and these 600 men. 
And they're lifting their voices and they, they've cried and they've cried and they've cried until they have no more power to cry. And I believe this just reveals the, the, the pain that gripped their heart. And when you look at David and his, his men, these 600 men with him, these guys weren't a bunch of sissies. They weren't a bunch of wimps. These 600 men, guys, they were champions. They were warriors. They were valiant men. But one of the points I want to make here to you in verse 4 is this. We aren't exempt from having feelings. We're not immune from showing emotions. And I know a lot of times that when life strikes us and pain comes, especially as men... We have the mentality, well, big boys don't cry. That we just take our hurts and our pains and we, we shove them into the, the filing cabinet of our heart. And we have the thought, you know what? They'll go away sooner or later, but they won't. And maybe you grew up that way where you were taught, you don't show your emotions. You don't cry. But when I look at this and I see these men that did this, guys, it's part of the healing process. It's part of the way that God begins to to move in your heart again. In Psalm 30, verse 5, it says that sorrow, weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so it tells me right there, that there is a place for every one of us to sorrow. And there's a place for every one of us to experience weeping and crying and hurting. But hold fast to this. Joy comes in the morning. And that word there where it says joy comes in the morning, that is cross-referenced into Zephaniah 3.17. Now listen to what Zephaniah 3.17 says. God will dance over His beloved with singing and a shout of joy. And so get this, when me and you are in a state of pain and we're in a state of weeping, understand that Father God is looking down on us. And joy comes in the morning. And when He talks about joy coming in the morning, God shouts and He sings over His beloved. And when God shouts and sings over His beloved things start happening. Things start happening for good. And so the thing is that, yeah, we're, we're to show our emotions. We just don't allow our emotions to have the final word. Keep reading with me. Verse 5. And David's two wives, blessing, two wives, bless his life. I don't mean that ugly, ladies. I just needed one. She keeps me pretty well lined out. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, he's not only in a difficult time. I believe when, when we read verse 5 here, it really hits home now. Not only have I lost everything I got, I've lost my wife. And I sit there and I put myself in that position. I'll be married 33 years here in about a week. 
and I'm, I'm okay being away from Shelly for about five or six days. And then after that, I, I just literally break down. I just have a meltdown. Just can't take it anymore. I'm ready for her to come home. But when I look at this and I read this about David, this is why I mean it really hits home from him. And he begins to understand, I've got to move from a place of mourning and weeping. I can't take up residence there. I've got to move on. And I'll have grace from God, Father God to keep me going on. God will grace me in those times when I begin to ask him. And I, I throw this out for us. Every one of us in this room, that even though we'll face tribulation, and we'll face trouble, and we'll face hurt like David did, you still have purpose. You still have destiny. And, and the reason I, I say that is because life does not stop for any of us. Life didn't stop for David. And it won't stop for you. And so you look at his life, and man, it's bad. And could his life get any worse? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of every people was grieved, every man for his sons and their daughters. So these, these warriors, guys, they quit weeping, and the tears dry up. They start playing the blame game. They're mad at David. And the word grieve right there in verse number 6, it literally means to become bitter. They became bitter in their heart toward David. Now, these guys, they forgot where they came from. And what I see here is their, their loyalty dissipated. And David is the very one who, who revived these men. In, in 1 Samuel 22, it talks about these men that they were what I call 3D. They were discontented, they were in distress, and they were in debt. These guys were a bunch of losers and nobodies until David came into their life. Actually, the Bible really uh, uh, insinuates that they were the outcasts of society. And listen to this, the majority of these guys, they were felons. But David restored them. And not only did David restore them, he encouraged them to live inspired and full of their potential and not to quit. But yet here, when the going got tough, you know what they did? They became bitter in their heart, and they began to blame David. It shows how fickle people can be. Instead of looking for a solution with David and say, what do we do? They got over into the blame game. They got mad at him. And it's easy for us to do it human, as human beings to start blaming other people. Now, in this, in this time in David's life, it would have been very easy for him to take up offense and begin to plot revenge and begin to say, if it's the last thing that I do to you and you and you and you, I'll cut your head off. Now get this about David. Not only was he capable of doing that, he had done stuff like that. But instead of plotting revenge, David chose to walk into the law of forgiveness 
which is Mark eleven twenty five, where Jesus himself said, if you don't forgive others, I can't forgive you. And when I live in a state of unforgiveness, guys, you'll never recover the things of God in your life, okay? It literally will paralyze you. And so what David does here, guys, he defers justice to Father God. The Bible's very clear that says, vengeance is mine. So it's like David's like, here you go, Father God. I'm not going to harbor offense against these men. Now, let me get you a little, a little uh, formula for offense today. Don't curse it, don't nurse it, and don't rehearse it. Rather, disperse it and reverse it. Say that again, Pastor. You talk too fast. Okay. Don't nurse it, don't curse it, and don't rehearse it. But rather, disperse it and reverse it. And so when I read this, I believe this is what David did. And, and when you walk in forgiveness, guys, there's a grace that goes with that. And if forgiveness was so easy, everybody would be doing it. But yet this is what Jesus highlighted in our lives. We must forgive. And in David's life, he had that opportunity to either walk in unforgiveness or forgiveness. I'm just going to throw this out here. I, I know it's going to start here pretty quick. But there's a, a Bible study, and this first one, guys, is just for women. I'm, I'm going to plug it in sometime for men. I, I think men, we need it worse than women. But it's on, it's on John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. And many of you have, have read The Bait of Satan. But guys, this is a DVD teaching on it. And my wife and a group of ladies have already been through it one time. It was so life-changing in this church among a lot of our women. I encourage you, it's going to be six weeks. Get a hold of this, okay? Get a hold of, of, of this teaching, and I believe it'll help you walk this out. So right here, look at what David does at the end of verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. He found strength in God, and, and David's faith in God gave him strength in the worst of times. Now, it would have been very easy for him to give up. It would have been very easy for him to quit. Even it had been easy for him to go into a state of depression. But he didn't. He didn't. And how did he do that? Psalm fifty fifteen, The Lord said, call on me on the day of trouble, and I'll deliver you. James 4, 8 says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. So David understood this. That in the day of trouble, he began to call God. And you know what? Every one of us in this room have the same opportunity to call out to God. Every one of us have the same opportunity to draw near to God. But if I don't act on that, I'm going to tell you, unforgiveness will come in. Pain will come in. Sorrow will come in. And it will literally paralyze you. And so in this right here, you begin to see here, that there was two opportunities. This is what I really saw out of the first six verses. That there's two opportunities for every person in this room. I'm either going to get bitter, or I'm going to turn to God. 
Now here's a thought about bitterness. The majority of people turn to bitterness. How many of them right here? Well, we we know there's about 601 people here. 600 of them turn to bitterness. Only David walked in forgiveness. And it's the same with me and you. You know, in in, uh, Hebrews 13.5, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13.6 said, Yea, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. And I believe David knew all that. He knew that even in a time of difficulty, God won't abandon him. He knew that. And he knew no matter what man can do to me, I'm not moved because God's with me. Now think about his life. As a young boy, when he was a teenager, he was the the shepherd. And, And if you read the Bible, this was a guy that, he didn't have a problem fighting with the bear and the lion. One, one part of the Bible talks about that. He grabbed the lion by its beard and literally slung him around. He knew God was with him. He knew when he went to the front line to fight the, uh, the giant named Goliath. He looked at Goliath and he said, How dare you defy the armies of the living God. And I believe when he said that, his little teenage knees were knocking. They were clanking. And it's okay to have everything within you shaking and rocking, but your heart when you look and say, through God I can do all things. God will strengthen me. And even when Saul was trying to kill him, and here he is again, guys, in a situation where he's got to choose. I'm going to draw near to God. I'm going to gain strength. So how did he do that? Turn over to Psalm 34, the 34th Psalm. Now, I will tell you this as you're turning to Psalm 34. You've got to come back next week to hear how he recovered all. If you don't come back next week, you're not going to get it, okay? I'm just going to tell you right now. We're not putting it on the iTunes. You've got to come back. I'm just kidding. We'll have it for you. But next week, we're going to learn biblically how King David recovered all. And I'll tell you, bring your shouting clothes next week. Because I believe the devil has ripped off a lot of us in this room. He's stolen our peace. He's stolen our joy. He's tried to steal our kids. But in this passage, you'll find out. Now, this is how David began to strengthen himself in the Lord. Psalms 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. In my Bible, that word I, man, I circled it real big. I will bless the Lord at all times. The only person on this earth that I'm in charge of is me. I will bless the Lord at all times. In sad times, bad times, mad times, glad times, I will bless the Lord. Now listen to what the message says there. I will bless the Lord every chance I get. So even in difficult times, I believe David would go through life blessing the Lord. I think he would begin to remind himself how great God is, how big God is. And then he said in the next part of verse 1, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David knew this was one of the keys to him being brave and him being strong. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm going to praise him. That doesn't mean just in good times. You know it's easy to praise God in good times? Once again, it's when I get in life's difficulties, what do I do? Verse 2. 
My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. My confidence is God's greatness. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, I want to highlight the word magnify. How many of you have ever played with a magnifying glass? And you put that down on that little bug, man, it made him huge. Well, you know what this is? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. So when I begin to magnify the Lord, you know what I've done? I've made God bigger than my problems. And when I start looking to God in, in situations, whoo, the things that I'm going through look smaller and smaller. You know why? We serve a big God. He's Jehovah Mega. He's big. He's a big God. Got a big, big house with a big, big yard. And we can go play some football. Remember that song? I don't know why that's coming to me. Just proves God likes football. I told you guys that. Here's a point for you. I'm going to magnify something. I'm either going to magnify God or I'm going to magnify the problem. And when I magnify God, the problem gets smaller. But when I magnify the problem, God gets smaller. I'm going to magnify something every day. And he ends in verse 4, I. Once again, I circled I. I sought the Lord and he heard me. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And look how he ends with. And he delivered me from all my fears. David knew all this, but part of walking in victory and strengthening himself was you got to seek the Lord. And I think a lot of times as believers, we miss the things of God because we quit inquiring of God. And it's human nature many times that I don't go to God unless I need something. I'm guilty of that, guys. A lot of times I don't take the time to get into the presence of God until, man, I'm in bad shape. But David, interestingly enough, said, I'll praise the Lord at all times. I'll bless the Lord at all. His praise shall continue. So I encourage you, go through the house and sing. Woo, he makes me brave. Go through the house and sing, man. Our God is great, man. The, the demons, run, uh, they run and flee at that name. Begin to say these things out of our mouth. I got one more scripture I want you to see. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Do you know praise is the language of faith? That's why we got to do it. Now, when I look at Ziklag here, Ziklag is a place that if you want to strengthen your faith, begin to praise God. you got to begin to praise God. And Ziklag is a place where David changed his focus. Now, think about what David did. He went from smelling the, the fire and seeing the burnt ashes and seeing everything in his life was gone, and he went from seeing his men play the blame game on him we strengthen himself in God. And when we strengthen ourselves in God, things begin to happen. You know, Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How do I become strong in the Lord? Just what we read. You start praising God. You start magnifying God. And watch what God will do. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now the reason I read that is I really want to read it to you in the message translation. Listen what the message says. God, make a fresh start in me. 
and shape a Genesis week in me in the chaos of my life. The word Genesis means a new beginning. So he said right there, Father God, shape a new beginning in my life in the chaos of my week or the chaos of my life. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but when I begin to study on this and when I begin to pray on this, the Lord would tell me, there'll be ones there that are in some form of chaos of their life right now. And it comes back to this. Invite God to shape a a Genesis week in you. Father God, I welcome a, a fresh beginning, a fresh outlook of life. Just right now where you're at, I just ask you to to close your Bibles and put down your pens. I don't want you to get up. I just want you to to sit there and just bow your head before God. And I believe right now that God wants to have an encounter with every one of us in this room. And we want to, to give you an opportunity to hear the voice of the Lord. And it can be as simple as this, giving Him an invitation to speak to you. But also, Father God, expose my heart. And you may be here today. Let me walk you through a couple things. Just stay real reverent before the Lord. Do you have bitterness in your heart toward a person? Toward people? Listen, I'm I'm not saying they didn't hurt you, okay? I mean, these men, they had hurt David. But that's not the issue. The, The issue is, what are you doing with that hurt? Let me go another step. Just stay real reverent here because I believe God's going to speak to you. Are you mad at God? Have you blamed God? Have you gotten bitter toward God? Listen, guys, once again, God loves you. His love covers a multitude of sin. See, I'll never be able to get to a place of recovery in my life when I hold on to bitterness, when I hold on to unforgiveness. David wasn't exempt from it. I'm not exempt from it, and you're not exempt from it. How about this? I haven't drawn near to God. I haven't called on Him. It seems like God's been a distance from me. Listen, guys, God's just waiting for you to call for Him. He's waiting for you to draw out, draw, draw upon Him. Say, Father God, I'm coming near. I'm coming back to you. Maybe you're a prodigal son and daughter. You've left the things of the kingdom, but you've got to come back. And just allow with what I talked about those areas... Let God deal with your heart. And I'm going to have the team, they're going to sing this. And if you want to stay seated, that's fine. If you want to stand and worship Him, that's fine. Maybe even this, if you want to come down to these altars and say, Father God, I'm tired of carrying bitterness around. It's, it's, it's stopped me. It's literally paralyzed me. 
I welcome you down here. Maybe if you say, Pastor, I need a fresh touch from God. Guys, only you can draw near to God. So as they sing, let's enter in here today, okay? Let's let God have an encounter with us. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.